You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin. He's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the preseason all the way to Week 1 versus the Saints, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, hit us up on Twitter at J.J. Leahy, or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Gil, we have our official 53-2021 Green Bay Packers players, and we get to talk about uh, who were kind of the surprise guys who made it or didn't make it. And uh, last week we had fun going through our 53-man projections on this show, and uh, I had fun following along that, and and uh, I, th- I thought for a while I was gonna like nail every single one. Obviously, I didn't, especially because especially because we had a, a late breaking little change, which we're gonna talk about in the release of punter J.K. Scott. Uh, so you do not have your record uh, from last week for what you predicted. We had a little uh, mm-hmm. little file deletion error, but I, I did save mine so we can kind of compare uh, what I thought we were going to get versus what we did get. And uh, real quick, can you break down for us what you know of our new punter, Corey Bohorquez? Corey Bohorquez, yes. I mean, on paper, this does seem like a potential upgrade over J.K. Scott. And the the reason is obviously consistency. Now, Last year, Bohorquez led the NFL in yards per punt, according to Pro Football Focus, was fifth in net punting yards, sixth in hang time, and eighth in the league in percentage of punts inside the opponent's 20-yard line. And part of the the reason also to like him, uh, to me, is that he spent the last three years punting for the Bills, which means he is familiar with kicking in cold weather, something that J.K. Scott always seemed to struggle with. Every November, J.K. Scott used to go through a little mini slump of like three games where he just wasn't getting the job done as consistently. So strong leg. Uh, He has had two punts blocked, uh, one in 2018, one in 2019. That is a little bit of a concern, although I think J.K. Scott also had two punts blocked over the last few years. But on paper, strong leg, young punter, and hopefully more consistent than J.K. Scott was. Now, I I have uh, made a lot of defenses of J.K. Scott on this podcast over the last year. I'm not here to do that again. He's gone. One thing that I will note that was a positive with J.K. Scott was there were a number of bad snaps from long snapper Hunter Bradley that J.K. Scott saved, particularly one of the really important ones was in the playoff game versus the Rams. Um, the uh, the football, I believe, actually hit uh, J.K.'s plant leg, which is kind of the worst thing you can do if you're snapping to a punter, but he managed to 
save that, get the ball off in time, even though it was almost blocked because Oren Burks just let a guy run right past him. Right. So we got to touch on long snapper a minute. Uh, Brian Gutekunst said on September 1st that Hunter Bradley has, quote, been really consistent over his three years here. Not a statement I would really agree with unless you just mean consistently mediocre. However, the very next day, Goody signed a long snapper to the practice squad, Stephen Wordle. So Wordle was a 2020 undrafted free agent originally signed by the Lions. He spent the entire season on their practice squad. And then he actually went out and signed with the Rams the following offseason. He was released to make room for the Sony Michelle trade. And I found this interesting that uh, we're getting the backup long snapper for the Rams and the backup punter for the Rams. However, uh, the L.A. media members were of the opinion that Corey Bohork has had shown enough this preseason to warrant winning the job outright from Rams punter Johnny Hecker. And ultimately, they decided to stick with the guy they already had and you know be loyal to him. But the media members thought that Bohorquez was actually the better pick. Kind of interesting. And that, you know, how fast the Packers moved there, you kind of get the feeling that they just had an agreement with the Rams that, hey, you know, Johnny Hecker's a good punter and we like Corey. We want a punter, so figure out who you're keeping and then trade us the other guy. That's kind of what it feels like. Obviously, I, it, I, it, I don't have <laughs> access to uh, Goody's office to find out, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, it does feel that way. And look, the bottom line is it has to work out for the Packers. And clearly they were not happy with J.K. Scott over the last uh, couple of years. And, you know, I always liked J.K. Scott, but that consistency situation was troublesome. Uh, He had three years to try to figure it out. And now I guess the Packers figured it's time to move on. And, And, you know, to take it a step further, when we talk about consistency, Hunter Bradley has lacked consistency as well. And in my mind, adding a a long snapper to the practice squad is a good thing. Whether or not they release Bradley or they just have him on a very short leash, uh, it's good to see these players needing to stay on top of their game to hold on to their jobs. You want to see that on an NFL roster. Before we move away from specialists, uh, J.J. Molson a kicker that has been with the Packers for nearly a year now. Um, Packers clearly like him. He looked really good in the preseason. Look, I don't think that it is uh, far-reaching of an idea at all to say that this is quite possibly Mason Crosby's last year. When you're as old as Mason is, even though he's still very good, retirement is obviously something that's on the table every single year. J.J. Molson, to me, and he's a guy that that the Packers brought back on their practice squad. To me, he feels like the Packers' current plan for next year's kicker. I would say that's correct. I I, I would say that's correct. Which is is why it's nice to see that he did so well in the preseason this year. 
and and he also seems to be a very nice guy from the people that I've spoken to who have interviewed him and had interactions with him. The kind of guy you really want to root for and the fact that his family comes from the uh, Molson Brewery family doesn't hurt either. <laughs> a Wisconsin man through and through. All right. There you go. So let's look at the uh, 53. So in between our most recent episode of No Huddle and today, we had our final preseason game against the Buffalo Bills. And I felt that it was very fair to allow me to make a couple tweaks based on what I saw in that game because I'm sure Gutekunst made some decisions about who he kept and who he cut based on that game. Would you agree? Yes, uh, he'd be foolish not to. Although, you know, I also heard that I I would say maybe that game changed one or two players rather than uh, I think their mind was pretty clearly made up and then a little tweaking went on after that last game. Sounds about accurate to me. So I think in our episode last week, one of the things that you and I disagreed on at that point was running back because I had the Packers keeping four running backs. However, after the Bills game, I went ahead and settled on just three because I wanted to add another player uh, to inside linebacker. So I wonder who. (laughs) (laughs) So I kept three running backs, which is what the Packers did. Um, No surprises at wide receiver. After the Funchess release, you knew it was going to be Malik Taylor for wide receiver six and no wide receiver seven. Um, The more surprising moves at wide receiver actually came uh, on the practice squad. Most notably, uh, Reggie Begleton is no longer with the Packers in any way at all. He's not in the practice squad. Didn't make it. Yeah, I was disappointed in that. I thought he looked very good in the preseason, uh, especially against Buffalo. And I have to say, I am surprised that Chris Blair stuck around and made the practice squad. I was surprised, too. I probably would have kept Reggie over Chris Blair. Now, EQ made it to the practice squad, and that surprised me kind of for an opposite reason. Now, I didn't think that like the Packers would be like, eh, we don't need EQ. I was surprised nobody else picked him up. I really thought that the Lions were going to pick him up because they had like just four wide receivers, one of whom was Amon Ra St. Brown. I thought EQ made perfect sense to go to the Lions, but nobody picked him up. He cleared waivers. He got signed to the Packers practice squad. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he's not there for long because other teams can sign him off the Packers practice squad if they choose not to have him as one of their protected players each week. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me if injuries strike or if players are ineffective that EQ would be one of the first players that a lot of teams would call, especially if they run an offense similar to the one that Matt LaFleur runs in Green Bay. Juwan Winfrey obviously made it to the practice squad. You'd love to see that. And I really think that, I mean, yeah, I know he was hurt, but I think that having him inactive in all the preseason games was pretty closely tied to practice squad stuff because nobody out there in the league has any reason to pick him up if you don't get um, preseason game tape on him. And I think that from what we saw in training camp, I think that uh, he would have really impressed in those preseason games. I don't think he would have cleared waivers. No, I... I... Don't think he would have cleared waivers either if he would have appeared in the preseason, keeping him 
Uh, off the field was probably a calculated risk by the coaching staff, and at least at this point, it appears to have paid off. By the way, on running backs for the practice squad, uh, Patrick Taylor was the guy they kept. Dexter Williams, they have finally moved on from him. He got picked up by the Giants. Um, I'm not super surprised because, to me, Patrick Taylor has always been the more rounded back, but I just always thought Dexter looked really good every preseason, including this one. I just, you know, this is why I'm not a GM because I probably would have ended up keeping him in some way. Patrick Taylor, though, the more rounded player, uh, much better blocker. He's a good receiver as well. Makes sense to keep him, even though he's uh, quite a bit older. Moving on to tight end. No surprises. There's four tight ends kept. Bronson Cavusi was put on the practice squad. Packers have three weeks from now because of the bye week and then two regular season games to decide if they want to keep Jay Sternberger and cut somebody from the 53 to make room for him or move on from him. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Tough decision. Yeah, he didn't do himself any favors in the preseason games, even though I thought he looked good in a lot of the practices that we did see. Yeah, no, but his attempt in in the Buffalo game at a block on a running play, I think it was either a third or fourth and and short, uh, that was embarrassing. And I'm concerned about his ability to pick up the offense and and do the little things that the Packers require of their players when they're not running pass patterns at tight end. And if he can't do those things consistently, uh, it'll be interesting to see what what the uh, what Goody uh, plans to do with him once his suspension is over. A guy that I thought the Packers might put a waiver claim on, spoiler alert, they didn't, was tight end uh, Nicole Pruitt, who we talked about last year in our preparation for the Titans game. He was kind of one of our, like, X factors to be wary of because he is has historically been, like, one of these out-of-this-world uh, blocking tight ends. Uh, he was on the roster back in 2018 when LaFleur was his offensive coordinator. So he uh, was waived by the 49ers, uh, which, again, makes sense. Like the, You got similar offenses in Tennessee, San Francisco, and uh, Green Bay. I really thought there was a, a decent chance the Packers would take a flyer on him. They didn't. He actually ended up back in Tennessee on their practice squad. So... Maybe a little bit of a lost opportunity there. I'm not sure if the Packers considered him or not. Well, look, we they they came into the final game with what six tight ends uh, yeah. on their roster, well, including Jace. So, yeah. including Jace. So I I don't think they had a need. Now, if someone gets hurt, it wouldn't shock me if the Packers try to claim him off the practice squad of the Tennessee Titans. But right now. You know, you've got five tight ends, four on the active roster, one suspended and one on the practice squad. Uh, I I don't think you really need to go out and claim another one at this point. Fair enough. Offensive line. uh, Now, I had David Bakhtiari starting the year on PUP. Uh, A lot of people thought he would be on the 53 and then move to IR. The fact that he still has not practiced at all, to me, said he's not anywhere close to being ready. Just go ahead and put him on PUP, which is what the Packers did. So, uh, they kept nine offensive linemen, and I got one of them wrong. They kept Jake Hansen instead of Ben Braden. I think everybody got that one wrong. Partly because Jake Hansen 
looked pretty terrible this preseason. I mean, he he had some some bad snaps. He graded out decently well in the preseason games. Um, I think something to look at here because Lucas Patrick also made it. You got to look at at center depth because with Bakhtiari out, you don't want Elton Jenkins as one of your backup centers. Tackle is just more important. You need to have depth ahead of Elton Jenkins for center because uh, Jenkins is your left tackle for the for quite a few weeks here, at, at least six weeks, assuming he doesn't get hurt. And then the thought of a lot of people is when Bakhtiari comes back, kick Elton over to right tackle, move Billy Turner inside to right guard. I like that idea. I've seen a lot of other people propose that as well. So Josh Myers is your starting center. Lucas Patrick presumably is your backup center. And if you look at all the other guys that were kept on the roster, who can play guard, you got Billy Turner can play guard. Although for now he's your starting right tackle Royce Newman and Lucas Patrick right now, we believe are the starting right and left guards. And you got mm-hmm. John Runyon there. Uh, you do have Dennis Kelly and Yash Nyman who can play tackle. And at that point, do you want to add another guy who can play guard or tackle? Or do you want to add another guy who can play uh, center? The Packers chose Jake Hansen, who can play center. I'm not sure that's the decision I would have gone with, but you can at least kind of see why that's where the math would take him. Yeah, I understand why the math took him there, but I was... I'm just disappointed. I just didn't think he was the the answer at that position. And I expected more from him during the preseason and just didn't get it. All right. Opposite side of the ball. Let's look at the D-line. This was uh, a spot. Let me look at my list here. Yeah, this is a spot where I had a mistake. I had them keeping Kenny Clark, Kings of Kiki, D-Larry, and TJ Slayton, obviously. And then I had the fifth D lineman as Jack Heflin, who did make the roster, but they actually kept six D linemen. They also kept Tyler Lancaster. Uh, I don't hate the move. I like having D line depth, something we haven't had for the last couple of years. I say, go pack, go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the move as well. And it gives them a little bit more flexibility going forward. And it allows them to bring Heflin along a little more slowly if necessary and let him develop. But I I like this kid. He was all heart and all hustle, and he made some plays in the preseason. So uh, in my mind, that was a a good move, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. He he is the undrafted free agent that made it out of this year's camp. There's always one. Yeah, last year is a little bit of a technicality because – Chris Barnes did not make the initial 53, but he was back on the roster for week one. I say last year counts. So uh, at our next two positions, inside linebacker and outside linebacker, I had five guys at each position, which is a little bit high historically, uh, but it was perfectly accurate. Chris Barnes, Devondre Campbell, Ty Summers, Oren Burks, and Isaiah McDuffie. I had all five of those guys on there at outside linebacker. Zadarius Preston Rashan, Jonathan Garvin, and new addition Chauncey Rivers. Now, I was a little bit iffy on Zadarius because he's not practicing, and we'll have to talk about that. Um, 
I, I don't think he's starting week one. It might be a few weeks before we should expect to see him. It might be the Preston and Rashawn's show to start the season. Um, I, my theory right now, and this is why I had him keeping five outside linebackers, is it kind of hinged entirely on Zadarius's injury. I thought, you know, they need to keep a fifth guy there instead of just four because I think you really only have four guys there until Z comes back. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see a guy. Uh, let's say that Zadarius is back in like week two or three, right around the time that the Packers are trying to make a Jay Sternberger decision. You know, maybe you move on from your fifth outside linebacker at that point. Yeah, you, you can do that at that point. But, you know, here's the concern. You're talking about a back injury. That's the kind of thing that can linger. That's the kind of thing that doesn't heal quickly, especially, you know, when you think about edge rushers and what they have to do to get to the quarterback or get to the to the ball, whoever's, you know, running back receiver, whoever's carrying it, you know, twisting your back, moving your back in different directions, taking contact on so many plays. This could be an injury that lingers for a long time. And I think having the insurance of having an extra uh, edge rusher slash outside linebacker. You add Tipa on the practice squad. And I think, you know, the Packers organization and Brian Gutekunst are covering themselves in case Zedarius, this injury goes on for longer than they'd like to see it go on. Yeah, that's that, that is the uh, negative outlook. And, and I think, unfortunately, it probably is the accurate one. Side note, I was kind of hoping that I would never have to bring this up because uh, you know, with <laughs> with all the turnover that the roster has, I thought, well, you know, maybe he won't make it on the practice squad, and then we just won't have to have the conversation. Typical Leia. Turns out that's not how you say his name, and in fact, it's nowhere close. That's how I've been saying his name for basically two years at this point. So his first name at least makes sense. He pronounces it Tipa. Okay, mm-hmm. not going to begrudge him that. His last name, G A L E. A-I. I've been saying Galea. He pronounces it, the, the G as an N. So it's Nalie, Tipa Nalie. Wow. I did, wow. I, I'm not going to begrudge him that either. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a different one than, than most people I have heard say it. So, okay. Let me, let me just say, some of these players have no consideration for us poor podcasters who have to pronounce these names. <laughs> Equanimius, Kafusi. Uh, 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 Marquez Valdez Scantling Bakhtiari Nalier come on man help us out throw us a bone here this should be our biggest problem <laughs> alrighty <laughs> so uh, cornerback my final six I don't remember what I said on the podcast last week but I, I think that I initially had KB on Ento a week ago and then I definitely took him off after the Buffalo game if he was still on at that point so right. I kept six corners, Jair, Kevin King, Eric Stokes, Shannon Sullivan, obvious, obvious top four. And then I kept Shamar Jean Charles and Isaac Yadam. And I did not keep KB on Ento. And sure enough, he is on the practice squad. Yes, he is indeed. And, and look, those are solid picks. I mean, to me, Yadam made it mostly on the strength of special teams Mm -hmm. because his play against Buffalo was shaky at best in his defense. He's still learning, you know, the defense and and his teammates at that point, he had just arrived what a week prior. So, but 
you know, I, I'm not sure he's an upgrade um, depth-wise at the position. If he's playing extensive minutes in a regular season game on defense, I'm concerned. Well, he's your cornerback six. I don't think anybody expects him to take many snaps on defense at all. I agree. But, but looking at like what you said about special teams, I think Ento lo- lost himself a job in the Buffalo game when he could not tackle Jake Fromm, who was lumbering slowly down the field. And this cornerback, Ento, comes flying in, can't tackle him, can't wrap him up, and he proceeds to run for a first down. Yadam is a, a touchdown. Sign- was it a touchdown? Yeah, I believe it was a touchdown. See, that's that just shows you how much I care about preseason games and preseason touchdowns. Um, if it was a regular <laughs> season, I, I would have cared. Yadam uh, has consistently displayed better tackling ability than Ento, and I think that that moment right there probably, if he had not already lost his job at that point, I think that was the final nail in the coffin for Ento. But he does wind up on the practice squad, gets another shot. Safety to me was a surprise. I did – I kept five safeties on mine, and the guy who didn't make it was Ennis Gaines. Packers only kept four safeties, and they kept six cornerbacks, which is below – for both those positions is below the average over the last 10 years, which is an indication. You look at how many – they kept an extra defensive lineman, an extra – uh, inside an and inside and outside linebackers. So three guys up front more than they usually keep and two guys less in the secondary than they usually keep. Times are a change in from the Mike Pettin days of being real heavy on the secondary. Joe Barry clearly is loading up a little bit more up front. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a lot less dime uh, from this defense. I don't think we're going to go six DBs in the hybrid uh, safety slash inside linebacker. We'll still see it, but not as prominently and as often as we saw it under Mike Pettin. So at this point, the guys I've gotten wrong. Let's see. I had uh, I had Ben Braden over Jake Hansen. That was wrong. I had uh, Ennis Gaines over Tyler Lancaster. That was wrong. And at this point, I'm feeling really good because we get down to you know, the, the, the last little player here. And I'm thinking, all right, it makes perfect sense. They're going to cut D John Harris and that's your 53. Well, they did cut D John Harris and then they cut JK Scott <laughs> and they rolled <laughs> yeah, in with a, a final happens. 52. They still only have 52 players. They don't have to 53 because the trade for Corey Bohorkas has not actually gone through yet. Right. He's not on the official roster as of now on the website, nor as far as we know, is he in green Bay? So, 52 players, so I, I whiffed there at the end with J.K. Scott. I'm going to give myself a little mulligan for that, but, you know, uh, in fairness, I got three wrong. But 50 out of 50, I guess two, not 53, ain't half bad. Our practice squad, I think, is pretty promising. We obviously were able to retain Kurt Benkert. That was kind of the one that people were most concerned about JJ Molson, I think was also an important keep Jacob Capra was a guy that uh, I found really interesting this, this preseason because it felt like everybody felt really either. They really felt strongly that he was this gem and they played really well, or 
they didn't even know who he was and didn't care about him at all. <laughs> He's on the practice squad. You got our new long snapper, Stephen Wordle. Uh, linebackers, Tiba Nalier. I, I, I got to say it that, to that. Yeah. <laughs> and Ray And Ray Wilborn <laughs> both made it. Uh, let's see. Ben Braden did make it to the practice squad. Um, late addition defensive lineman Abdullah Anderson. We don't really know much about him, but he was, uh, I believe, the second to last player cut. Well, I guess not in counting J.K. Scott, but it was him and then right. D. John Harris. And at that point, I thought to myself, I don't think he'll make it onto 53 because they already have six guys there. I don't think they're keeping seven. But this dude is ending up in the practice squad if he clears waivers. KBN Ento is the lone corner. Uh, we got Ennis Gaines, Cole Van Lannen, who was what was he? A, was he a fifth or a sixth round pick for us this year? I think sixth, I believe. So Cole Van Lannen did not have a good preseason at all, but they did spend a draft pick on him. I think they they clearly do still feel like there's some potential there. Made a lot of sense to move on from him. Made just as much sense to bring him back in the practice squad. Bronson Kafusi, we mentioned, is your lone tight end, and then we already covered the three wide receivers. Biggest surprise to you uh, for the practice squad for who didn't make it? Well, there were two. Uh, to me, I was really expecting Reggie Bagleton to make it, and I was uh, expecting Christian Upshaw to make it. Christian Uphoff, yeah. Well, Uphoff, sorry. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Those, those are two kind of surprising names. Um, and then uh, I guess one guy we also have to mention, Willington Prevlon was initially signed to the practice squad yesterday, and he's already been released to make room for this new long snapper. So one more guy to kind of keep your eye on for, like, you know, if they get another vacancy, Prevalon would make sense to bring back. Right now they only have one defensive lineman on the practice squad, and that would be Abdullah Anderson. Kind of makes sense that you'd want to have a second guy there, but uh, but we'll see. Question for you. Bronson Kafusi. Do you think Aaron Rodgers' praise of him had a lot to do with his retention on the practice squad? Uh, yes and no. I mean, he didn't make the 53, but also, I mean, you need to have a practice squad tight end. So is it the guy that you've been working with all summer and have felt good enough about to not have cut by now? Or do you go out and just get somebody else totally random that that uh you know take a flyer on some more unknown entity so i don't know i i think uh uh goody did mention that he had conversations with lafleur and rogers together about cut downs gotta imagine that kafusi was a guy that they talked about just because aaron has been you know so publicly vocal about his um his his liking for the kid yep I think it did have something to do with it. But look, uh, let's just hope that he can develop. I mean, he, he made a position change. That takes time. Uh, he's also 30 years old. It's not like this is a 22 or 23-year-old kid. Um, but he's got the physical tools. It's just a question of developing the skill set. Yeah, yep, yep. And the technique. Three guys that uh, we're concerned about right now, uh, not including our long snapper. Uh, we got three injuries. So we already talked about Zedarius, I think is clearly the, the the most significant injury. But we only have three active safeties right now because Vernon Scott has not been at practice for a while with a hamstring injury. 
And then less concerning would be Tyler Lancaster, just because we have five guys ahead of him. But he also has not been practicing for uh, almost a week. We got these three guys have been out. Tyler Lancaster's got an elbow injury. Vernon Scott has a hamstring. Now these, you know, they get they all get a week off. There's a bye week this week that they can rest before the Saints game, which we have to touch on <laughs> because this mm-hmm. is going to be an interesting, interesting game. So uh, the is it Hurricane Ida, I think is the name of the hurricane, means that we can't yeah. play in New Orleans. Everybody knows that. And I think probably most of our listeners have already heard about, yeah, well, maybe they're going to go to Dallas, which fans were excited about because, you know, Lambeau South. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers loves Dallas. But here we go. Jacksonville. The best thing for me out of this whole thing is that uh, the Jaguars tweeted a picture of a, uh, a, a, a house key with the Jaguars logo under it or on it uh, hit, hidden underneath a doormat with a little note that says, uh, make yourselves at home, Packers and Saints. I thought that was kind of cute and fun. There's there's definitely some interesting things with this whole story, though. Uh, do you want to give us the uh, the breakdown of what went into the decision to play the game in Jacksonville? Well, you know, most of it, they, they there were stories going around that they actually went on one of the travel websites and figured out what would be the most expensive trip from Green Bay to which city because they I guess they wanted to limit the number of Packer fans who were going to be uh, in attendance. Dallas was originally considered, didn't work out. There was a conflict with a concert. But the Saints pulling out all the stops, trying to make it more difficult for the Packers, more difficult to have Packer fans uh, fill the stands. I think they're going to do it anyway. I mean, I've heard so many uh, people on social media talking about how do I get tickets? How do I get tickets? Tickets are going on sale Friday, I believe, at noon uh, on Ticketmaster, and you have to have an account beforehand. But I think Packer fans will outnumber Saints fans uh, when it comes to this game in Jacksonville. And yeah, it, it won't quite be a home game, but it won't feel like a normal road game either. Yeah, this will be interesting. I, I don't think the Saints have any kind of home field advantage at all in Jacksonville as far as fans. And I don't think the saints considered how many Packer fans live in Florida. (laughs) There's a (laughs) lot of them. Um, And, uh, but, but you know, the, the uh, biggest obvious negative here for the Packers is the elements. Uh, Now you and I spent quite a bit of time comparing temperatures for Jacksonville, Florida to the temperatures that the Packers have been practicing in up in Green Bay for the last uh, month and a half. And it's actually pretty comparable. I think you're looking at Jacksonville is usually about five to eight degrees warmer. And the humidity seems to be between five and 10% greater in Jacksonville. All in all, you could do a lot worse. I, I think I we were both expecting significantly worse weather uh, conditions there. Something to think back on. Last year, when we went down and played Tampa, obviously the elements were a big factor at that point. And the Buccaneers chose to wear their white uniforms, meaning the Packers had to wear their dark greens. Right. 
would be shocking, absolutely shocking, if the Saints didn't do that as well. Because Sean Payton is trying to pull all, all the stops. If he did not think about switching jerseys, which, by the way, the Buccaneers are a division rival. So obviously they were paying attention to that and that success that the uh, Bucks had over the Packers last year. Um, however, one big difference between this game and the Buccaneers game is that the Bucks game happened in mid-October when all the Packers players are now used to chillier temperatures up in Wisconsin. You know, instead, we're playing in early September and Wisconsin is still hot. So you got that going for you. Um, the, the temperature in Tampa at that point was also considerably hotter than what Jacksonville has been. Jacksonville has been hovering around like 85 to 88 for the last uh, week or so. And with the humidity last year, Tampa for that game, according to Sports Illustrated's Bill Huber, felt like 100 degrees. So versus uh, Green Bay at that point felt like 30, he said. So slight contrast. <laughs> so the, the, we won't have that spectacular of a contrast again. I, I, I think that it's more equal footing for the Packers than the Saints would like, but obviously they're trying to give themselves every little advantage that they can. And I, I, I think it's going to, I think they're going to be on relatively equal footing. And at that point, you're more hoping that the Packers superior talent uh, when it comes to their players is going to win out. Yeah. And, and that's the other difference I think between the Saints and the Buccaneers, the the Buccaneers were especially this year when you know there's no more Drew Brees. I, I think the Buccaneers are overall a better team than the Saints are coming into this season, and and that will be a big difference as well. So you have a you know about what about a month, a month and a half difference on the calendar, and a difference in talent and the way the matchups work. And also, look, New Orleans, it's not a home game exactly for them either. They have to travel. Uh, They're not practicing in Jacksonville. They don't play usually in Jacksonville. So a lot of differences between what happened in Tampa last year and what we expect in Jacksonville in a week and a half. Yeah. So a little bit of news with the Saints. So they appear to be bringing back... Uh, quarterback Trevor, I, 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 you'll know why <laughs> I have, a, I've always okay. struggled saying this guy's last name. I think it's, I think it's Simeon, Simeon. We'll say okay. Trevor Simeon, who's expected to be the number two. Apparently Taysom Hill is just going to be, uh, the new, uh, you know, whatever he is at all the different various positions, the gadget guy. Yep, and, and not really playing so much on quarterback, um, at least not officially. I think one thing you got to really consider, you know, because Sean Payton loved all of his, I would say, stupid gadget plays with Taysom Hill. People thought they were cool because they worked until they didn't work. And you remember Zedarius getting a strip sack of uh, of Taysom Hill when you know they bring him in. And you're like, oh man, do you think? Do you think Taysom's gonna throw or pass? Oh, he's gonna. He's. Or, I mean, do you think he's gonna throw or run? And obviously, Zedarius isn't stupid and sniffed out the fact that obviously he was gonna run and, uh, and made a great play. That was a big was part of the win in New Orleans. Big part year. of it. If you make Taysom Hill the starting quarterback, 
you lose the ability to do those trick plays. You make mm-hmm. Jace, whereas I don't think there's nothing that Jameis could do as QB two that would add to Taysom as a starter. But Jameis as QB one means that you can use Taysom in those same gadget plays that they have done the last couple of years with some degree of success. The Packers are going to have to be on the lookout for that. I think there's maybe a little bit uh, less that you can do because it like with Drew Brees, part of why that would work is because when they would bring in Taysom, you never knew like, is, are they just giving Drew a break because he's 900 years old or are they trying to run a gadget play? And with Jay, with Jameis, there's a little bit less of that because I mean, what are you going to think? Like, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe they're just putting Taysom out there to see if he can do better than Jameis. I, I don't, I don't really think that that is going to be as, as deceptive as it has been. No, it probably won't be. And here's the other thing. If you make Taysom Hill your starting quarterback and his strength is the ability to run and do these different gadget plays, you run the risk of getting your starting quarterback injured a lot. You know, it's one thing to do it for three, four or five plays a game, and it's another to do it for 40 or 50. So if you put your starting quarterback in harm's way, the way Taysom Hill would be if he were to run the offense that he typically would run. That is a long-term liability or at least a danger for the New Orleans Saints. You get more. Jameis Winston is a better pure passer, and you still can use Taysom Hill on those you know, handful of plays each game that, look, you only need one difference maker play out of him to make his uh, position worthwhile. Yep, absolutely. Hey, how many times in the last week, two weeks, have you had to talk me out of doing our full Saints preview early. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At least two or three times. Dude, I I am so excited to get back to our regular season programming where we are doing our full game previews every week. That was so much fun last year. I'm looking forward to again this year. What you guys are going to get from us, because there's quite a a number of uh, new listeners who have started listening during this offseason and were not here with us during football season. What you're going to get from us during football season is every week we're going to be talking a lot more about the upcoming opponents than we are the Packers. We're going to do full breakdowns of the uh, of the Saints roster, their weaknesses, injuries, and all that. And we're also going to tell you about their tendencies on offense and defense and give you some game plans on how do the Packers attack that. And also, what are some of the strengths that the Saints and other teams have that could be detrimental to the Packers? It's a lot of fun. We're going to be doing that every week throughout the regular season, throughout the playoffs, hopefully for the Super Bowl. Maybe we can do a, a, a preview of the Packers Super Bowl parade. I, you know, I don't know. We're getting ahead of ourselves here, but uh, slightly, <laughs> man, we're, we're going to have so much fun and I'm really excited for it. And, and we have a couple of new fun things cooked up for this season that we've dreamed up in the off season. We're looking forward to it for now. That has been No Huddle Radio. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!
You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.